You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone to rv1 colon the fantasy football podcast brought to you by faketeam.com i am your humble host pete rogers joined as always by just clark barnes and mr class jordan smith guys how are we doing on this the eve the week of preseason football omg it's here I'm so ready to overreact to preseason football that's so the only purpose for preseason football is gigantic overreactions just just taking leaps that we never would have fathomed we could have but we will anyways full for first quarter of andrew luck clark uh how hot are your trousers right now that you get to see andrew luck play for a whole quarter i'm excited and we will have more on that later in the show as well uh my favorite thing about the preseason is getting to hear all of the local color guys calling the game you got jesse the body out in arizona you got the lady that does the rainer games lots of really good uh broadcasters that aren't uh you know the guys we get stuck with all the time troy aikman and joe buck this is clark coming prepared he's got names to pull off you know at the top drop of a hat and you, you can tell clark's ready to go yeah football, totally football season here and he's uh, ready to, he's ready to play Jesse the body and that lady that does the Raider games. <laughs> totally that person. Yeah. Just straight killing it. Um, also, not only is it uh, NFL preseason, also happy quarterback week, everyone. Talking, Yeah. Talking QBs on faketeams.com. Um, so make sure to go check that out. We'll be doing positional weeks uh, for the next four weeks leading up to the start of the actual season. This week is obviously the signal callers. Uh, I wrote a piece uh, about the elites, the middle and the bargains that you can get. Clark just published a piece today talking about whether or not you should draft a quarterback uh, early or late. Spoiler alert. Clark thinks you should draft them early. Um, well, one of the two. Well, one of the two. There's That's all that's you do. Team. That's the team. One of the one of those two. Uh, so make sure you check it out. We got good stuff coming out all week. Uh, next week we'll be running back. So stay tuned and you know keep your eyes on fateteams.com because we got all of your fantasy football information now that the season is finally here. Uh, with that, we've got some news to get to, including the Browns trading a wide receiver, the Patriots releasing a wide receiver. Yes, yet another one, and the Buccaneers promoting. Wide receivers. It's a lot of wide receiver talk today. Uh, and then we also are going to get into an entire AFC fantasy preview, talking sleepers, busts, people to watch, all of that good stuff. Um, but before we get to the news, we heckled him all last week for his wonky top 100 rating. So here to defend himself, fellow fake teams writer, Ginger Nick. Ginger Nick, what is up? What's going hey, on, guys? Hello. Oh, hello, sir. Uh, <laughs> so not only, uh, well, I guess, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Of course. Happy to have you. Um, so I've selected two ratings in particular that we okay. found a little odd, which I would like an explanation for. Uh, first yeah. of all, T.Y. Hilton at number 56, despite the fact that we all am at 27. And then Jay Ajayi, the probably possibly the most egregious way down at 93 uh in yeah. the group at 42 so talk to me on the convince me that you actually were the right one to assess these two values so sure so my issue with with ty is is all about luck um until i see him out on the football field taking hits i'm not gonna believe that he is ready to play football like we went through this whole thing last year with their front office continuous continually saying he's gonna be ready week one okay now week two week three and so on and so forth so until i actually see uh, that happened. I'm not buying in really into anyone in the Colts offense. I kind of like Jack Doyle, but um, yeah, I mean, T.Y. was uh, pretty boomer bust without him. So unless Luck's back, I don't like him. Clearly, you have not bought into the RB1 mantra, which is Andrew Luck is a phenomenal human being who has survived all of the injuries that he could possibly conjure up, and he is ready to play in 2018. Isn't that right, Clark? Yeah, it's nice to have the opposing viewpoint on. I have decided that Nick Luck is fine, or that Andrew Luck is fine. And Nick also, Luck. Nick Luck is also fine. He's just going to be great. He's just so gonna I'm be. not worried about it. I'm doing all my rankings as if he's going to play 16. Uh, but obviously, in, in the real world, haven't seen the guy play in like two years. He's, I guess, everybody's one bad hit away from never playing again, but he's in a very fragile spot going into the yeah. season. That it's it's his if it wasn't his throwing arm too that that would be a little bit different but you know kind of literally all hinges on that shoulder. Yep. Well said. And then Jay Ajayi convinced me that he really should be in the last ten of our top. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, honestly, the the big part of that is uh, I really like Corey Clement. Well, I don't. Okay. I don't like Corey Clement that much. I like uh, the general skill set he has as a uh, above average pass catcher. Um, and last year he just, uh, when you get into the, the weeds of like the, the advanced metric stuff, he just sort of outperformed Ajayi. And I was trying to, uh, find this, I, I was reading some, uh, either, it was either like red zone carry stat or within the five yard line, but they basically featured him and, and did not give the ball to Ajayi, which I found surprising because I like Ajayi more as a runner, but if the coaching staff wants to use Clement, then Ajayi is going to fall for me. This is this is Nick working well above his pay grade, bringing in advanced stats. Woo! <laughs> Ooh, these are things we are just introducing into the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, I've uh, been started. I've started following uh, JJ Zacharyson a lot, and he's really big on Corey Clement this year. There you go. There you go. Um, and since we have you here, and since it is Quarterback Week, uh, yeah. you are one of the reviewers or one of the rankers of of our staff who was notoriously low on every single quarterback. Um, yeah. And so I can only assume that you are a big proponent then of drafting quarterbacks super, super late. What are your views in QBs? In, yeah, in- so uh, I I didn't really have a strong opinion until uh, when, in 2016. I was lucky enough to be a part of a, a quarterback study that was hosted by Adam Harstad. And um, so he got all of these writers and me because I enthusiastically replied to his uh, his like Twitter request. Anyway, um, what he did was he he uh, he took one of his pro leagues and um, they did their draft. And then he gave uh, it was like 20 or 21, 21 of us um, uh, access to their waivers or free agents. And we basically played each week 
running with a waiver wire quarterback. And the at the end of the study, the difference was about a half a point between on average uh, between like those drafted and those the, those selected on waivers. So obviously, like Rogers never went to waivers, so he was always part of that mm-hmm. uh, territory that we could never touch. Um, so after that, I really fell hard into the late round QB um, ideology and it, it just kind of bet on myself to be able to find a guy every couple weeks on waivers. Um, and from what I I mean, the results seem to uh, show that the math checks out. So, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I'm a big fan of drafting. I mean, either drafting a quarterback super, super late or last year. Hell, I drafted. I forget who I actually drafted, but I ran with Deshaun Watson during his streak off waivers and he got cool. injured. And then I ran with Blake Bortles off waivers, who was successful despite the fact that Blake Bortles is a terrible quarterback. Um, so I, I am very much on the board uh, on board of drafting quarterbacks pretty much as late as you possibly can, if at all, which I think is a very daring tactic, but I think you could definitely pull it off. Yeah, I have not done the uh, no QB uh, strategy. Maybe that's, maybe that's what this year is all about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe this year is the no QB strategy. There yeah. you go. Yeah, and I think a lot of that depends on your league. I think when you're playing with a bunch of really, really sharp people that want the seventh, eighth, ninth running back on their roster, then and there's only like 14, 15 quarterbacks taken, there's plenty of stuff on the waiver wire for you and you can do that. Yeah. Uh, I play in a league where you have to draft two quarterbacks mm. uh, and it, the pickings get pretty slim yeah. down there after sense. 24 guys are gone. Uh, you start doing a lot of Josh McCown and things like that. So uh, Pete mentioned the top of the show, an article that I did today. My strategy is kind of either you take Aaron Rodgers when you look at, you know, you're looking at golden Tate or Jarek McKinnon and you just don't like any of those guys or you wait. Like, there's no point in picking Matt Ryan as the seventh quarterback. Like, don't bother with that. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with on waivers, you can get a pretty decent replacement level guy because if he's starting, he's going to be the ball or have the ball in his hands on every offensive play. Unless, of course, you pick Nathan Peterman up off of waivers, <laughs> then it's just a little sad. But you can get a pretty decent replacement level, guys. But I, I don't think there's any replacing the top four quarterbacks in the league points-wise. Yeah, and I found that uh, – so from 2012, I think, to 2017, mm-hmm. the difference in points per game, if you played 12 games, ESPN scoring, from the number one guy to the number six guy, it was about four and a half, five points each year. And the difference between the number six guy and the number 12 guy was about one point. So either get the top guy or don't right. don't worry about who you're taking. Boom. Uh, Nick, before you go, yeah. plug us plug us your whole uh, NFL preseason reports that you're doing on fake teams. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm basically breaking down all of uh, who I see as the relevant skill position players on every team. And there's a lot of coming through. Uh, uh, training camp reports and uh, luckily SB Nation uh, all of the, the team pages are phenomenal so I'm able to get a lot of info out of that um, but I'm, I'm doing I'm doing stuff uh, like uh, breaking down the strength of schedule looking to try to find weaknesses uh, you know in, in opposing teams uh, maybe for players that we would not uh, otherwise look at on a season-long uh, slate boom so make sure to go check that out Nick is doing excellent excellent work and thanks Pete I hate to say this, Clark. He might rival you for best beard in the fake team staff. Oh. 
Yeah, right? I, I, I'm going to have to get my hair done before the next Yeah, show. it's a pretty long <laughs> that, that old Ginger Nick's guy here. Uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Ginger underscore underscore Nick. Uh, that is without a K, N-I-C. Uh, Nick, thanks for jumping on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. All right, there you go. Killed it. Let me take a sip. <laughs> can't have you going thirsty. Can't be can't be getting thirsty. Um, so there you go. Some excellent quarterback talk and just a little justification for his rankings. The Jay Jay thing is interesting. And I li- like I like that we all get along on the show because I hate sports yelling. Like there's no point in just picking the other side to yell about it, but it's nice to have someone that disagrees also, you know, like Heath putting Kareem Hunt down at 45. We're going to have to get Heath. Heath is going to be on next week's like, podcast. We're going to get him on and justify that. Like, that's fun. I mean, yeah. I don't think so. But, like, shit, last year I thought, you know, David Johnson was a can't-miss guy. So, you know. Uh, should we do some news? Let's do it. Let's do it. Jordan. Jordan's motorcycle gang is driving around him. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what that was. I'm actually going to close this real quick. Oh, I thought that was the new news drop. I was like, okay. Like, I guess. I guess. All right. Sure. That sounds like news, I guess, to a certain like, extent. We're hauling you all the hot fantasy football news. Like, oh, okay. look at Clark just <laughs> spinning it perfectly. God, just the master spinner, Clark Barnes. He has a spin move always as deadly as Dwight Freeney. <laughs> That's true. I grew up on the dream. And I embrace it. There you go. Uh, All right. First in the news, the Browns further admit they suck at drafting, uh, trading away Corey Coleman to the Buffalo Bills. Coleman was their first round pick, first overall pick, number 15 in 2016, uh, and dealt with injuries and has seemed to never click with anyone on the team. So, Jordan, I'll ask you. Uh, because personally, I don't really think this does, but does Coleman's fantasy value at all improve uh, by the fact that he has now gotten out of the pit of despair that we affectionately call Cleveland? Maybe for the sake that Cleveland was, uh, we talked about it several times over a few podcasts, that Cleveland just has a lot of different weapons that they're going to want to try out and play with. So it's kind of tough to tell. Um, where Coleman was going to be in that pecking order if he stuck with Cleveland, but with the uh, with the Bills, it just seems like he is going to be the number two, maybe even the number one option if Calvin Benjamin doesn't um, pan out. More on that later. But uh, Zay Jones is just a deep threat, so I think Corey Coleman can have himself a pretty decent uh, fantasy season just for the sake of Buffalo needed options, so they got one. Yeah, it would have been fun to see him go to a team that's not terrible. It's kind of like that's out good. of the frying pan and into the other frying pan. Like <laughs> like Washington or Miami, like a, a team that's okay. And, and they could use a guy that's talented because I have a hard time saying anybody that the Browns drafted and then who looked bad playing for the Browns is bad because the Browns have just been like, I don't mean, I know like no fan base probably has to listen to more crap about their team, but the Browns have just been a dumpster fire. So we have no idea if he's good at football or not. Yeah. I just, I have no faith in the bills quarterbacks. So, and since they're going to be ultimately the ones getting the ball to Corey Coleman, ah, he is someone who maybe I'll keep eyes on on waivers. And if he like has a productive game or two, then I'll add him, but there's no way in hell I'm drafting him. I'm barely even going to, convince myself to draft Kelvin Benjamin this year. 
I can't wait to talk myself into the Browns having 10 wins the longer hard knocks. <laughs> I just know it's going to happen. I'm already oh. buying in a little, and there's only been one episode. Oh, this is perfect. By by week four, George is going to be like, Browns are going to win the AFC North, and gonna, they're going to make a solid playoff push. I'm at like four games for them right now, but I'm going to keep adding two week <laughs> after week. I'm really looking forward to the The Browns went three and one this preseason, guys. Guys, all right. <laughs> this is huge. The Browns winning games. Uh, it should also be noted that in the most Brownsy of all Browns things, uh, mere seconds after trading Coleman, Browns rookie receiver Antonio Callaway was cited for marijuana possession, which we all know is like literally the worst thing you can do in the eyes of the NFL. It's not a big deal if not for the fact that it just seems like he's had some trouble off the field for a couple of years now coming out of Florida. So that's the only reason. Otherwise, it was like a small amount of marijuana. So it shouldn't be a big deal, but apparently it is. It's well, the NFL. the NFL is going to make it a big deal because, you know, domestic violence is fine. But God damn it, if you have any weed on you, mm-hmm, hell no. Exactly. Uh, moving on in the news, the Patriots also uh, did some wide receiver things. They continued to thin out their receiving core by cutting Malcolm Mitchell, who... Huh, pours him out. I'll forever remember having a massive impact in that Falcon Super Bowl comeback. Um, and sadly, his career was well, career with the Patriots, because let's not speak too soon, was cut short because of injury. Um, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I had, he played per, very well in the Super Bowl. He was a go to target for Brady in that game, which is something that is huge and has always been kind of a uh, a barrier for rookies coming into the system is, is trying to like get Brady's trust and be able to be on the same page as him. Uh, so it was great seeing someone young, a young receiver who come in and like actually have success, but it sucks that ultimately he had to be cut because he just couldn't stay healthy and, and stay on the field. But I hope him the best. Uh, he also wrote a children's book. He's written a couple children's book, I think books, I think. And so hopefully if football doesn't pan out for him, they'll have a career in, uh, in, you know, children's book writing. So there you go. Angela Lansbury. Perfect. There you go, Malcolm. Uh, so reference people will definitely get. De- everyone will get that reference. This is it's a perfect Clark reference that mm, probably sixty six point six 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 percent of this podcast didn't get. <laughs> Don't worry, I thought it was hilarious. So, <laughs> so it was a win. Uh, more injury news coming out of New England. Rookie running back Sony Michelle went down with a knee injury and had a procedure done to drain its fluid. Ian Rappaport uh, reported that he should be done, should be out about two weeks and ready for week one. But Clark, I can't say I was thrilled with this news since knee issues was one of the reasons Michelle fell in the draft. I know you're someone who has always combated my love and uh, appreciation for Sony Michelle and, and wanting him to be on my fantasy teams. Uh, does this impact your rankings at all? Do you think that he is going, that this even bumps him down a further tier or you're just like, eh, it's the Patriots running backs. He'll figure it out. He'll be fine. It should just be a couple of weeks before he's back running around. So it doesn't change anything in my ranks right now, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. If in two weeks we hear, oh, it's just going to be two weeks. Well, then I think he starts to to fall a little bit. I think it's a situation where he could have very well just played through it and been fine, but they're taking the necessary precautions to be like, you know what, let's get him off the field in these weeks that really don't matter in July and, you know, make sure he can get back by like the third or fourth preseason game for sure before week one. 
Let's hope so, man. I had a high, high hopes for him. Uh, finally in the news, second-year wide receiver Chris Godwin is generating a lot of buzz in Tampa Bay, and it seems like he might be taking over to Sean Jackson's number two role next to Michael Evans. So just a little update in old Tampa about some receivers to be keeping eyes on. There you go, if you have some faith in Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick, since Ryan Fitzpatrick is likely going to be starting the season. Yeah, I got really excited when Deshaun Jackson went to the Bucks, and that just never really seemed to pan out. It, he doesn't look slow, and he doesn't look like he got bad. I, I just he just does not seem to fit with Jameis Winston for whatever reason. Yeah, Jameis Winston just has issues with accuracy, and I think that's what Deshaun needs is somebody to put the ball on the spot down the field. And I don't. Jameis can get it there. It's just, is it supposed to be where it's supposed to be? He needs like athletic receivers who can really make it look like the ball was going exactly where it needed to go. That's why all six foot five of Mike Evans is a great pairing with him. And all six, six of OJ Howard, baby. Buy that OJ Howard stock. I'm all aboard the hype train. Uh, The juice is loose. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Clark's gleefully clapping in the background. Um, So there you go. There's your NFL news. As we now approach the actual season, we're going to do two giant uh, divisional previews. We're going to start with the AFC today and then then the NFC next week. But we're going to do big old fantasy preview for the entire conference. Uh, We're going to run through each team, all 16 of them, because... There are four teams in four different uh, four, four four different divisions, and uh, four times four is sixteen. So there's some quick math for you. Uh, and we're going to we each have a certain team. We're going to talk about players who we like, dislike on all these teams, and uh, so this thing doesn't become just a giant monolithic, huge behemoth three hour uh, podcast. We're going to do three minutes a piece at the very most, um, and then you will hear this sound to tell you to turn the page. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Jordan knows what I'm referencing. Um, Clark, meanwhile, there. here's a joke now that, or, or a reference that now 66.66% of the podcast got. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, Clark. You do you. Uh, let's start in no particular order with the Buffalo Bills. Jordan, what kind of fantasy advice can you give for Buffalo Bills? Um, so I just decided to go sleepers and bus. Um, the bills were a little bit more difficult to gauge because I'm not sure anybody there is going to have a really great fantasy season. It's probably going to be a team that I wait to figure out four weeks in, see if there's anybody on the waivers that I can get. But as a sleeper, um, talked about this a little bit at the top of the podcast, Calvin Benjamin, um, he is the de facto number one wide receiver. So that means that the targets could just very well be coming his way. Um, and he's a big body. So, uh, you know, if it's McCarron, uh, Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman, it, if it's any one of those guys, they can at least put it in Calvin Benjamin's vicinity. And hopefully, you know, maybe he regains some of the form he had during his rookie year in Carolina. Um, he does have a lot to prove for himself too, not only for his recent comments about Cam Newton's accuracy issues, but also because, he was supposed to be one of the next big things too. He was in the same draft class as Odell Beckham Jr. And of course, some of those wide receivers from that draft are just taking off and soaring to new heights. Um, Needs to improve his catch percentage, um, which again, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in Buffalo because it's right now it's Buffalo. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, Buffalo. Because yeah, it was an out of the frying pan and into the other frying pan situation again. Another one. Isn't that also the class at Jarvis Landry and Mike Evans? Weren't they all in that class? Yes, and Brandon Cooks, too. I oh. oh, Kelvin. Um, um, I like Kelvin, too. I mean, like I said, he would probably be the only receiver who I could convince myself of drafting. And that's just because he's six foot five and is a red zone target. And so touchdowns score you a lot of points in fantasy. So you're just hoping that he, I mean, I don't think it's wildly out of the realm of possibility that he could get you double digit touchdowns this year. But, you know, who am I to say? Definition of a sleeper. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> Jordan's my, like, I did my f-ing job. Um, just real quick, my my bus for the Bills team is Shady McCoy. Um, he does have a possible looming suspension, so we don't know how long he's going to or if he's going to start out on week one. Um, also, those three quarterbacks I mentioned before in Buffalo that will draw like eight defenders in the box every single time. And his yards per game and yards per attempt dipped last year from 2016. So that's just not something that's good. Um Buffalo also has some offensive line turnover. Cordy Glenn is gone. It's just, it's rough times in Buffalo, but we'll see what they can do. They were a playoff team last year, but this year, who knows? All right, I've got the Browns, and I am a big fan. I only did a sleeper for the Browns. I did, I switched between sleepers or uh, or kind of busts for each team. Carlos Hyde, big fan of Carlos Hyde this year. Uh, I'm confused why his ADP is so low. He's uh, RB 30th right now going in the sixth round middle of the sixth round, according to um, fancy football calculator.com uh, last year on a 49ers team. That was seventh worst. Here's some stats. I'm going to throw it at you. Some factoids seventh worst in the league uh, per football outsiders stuffed metrics, which is the percentage of runs in which the running backs tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. So he's playing behind a trash offensive line. He still managed to finish 13th in the league in rushing yards, fourth in touchdowns and RB 11 in fantasy. Um, I was super hyped on Isaiah Crowell last year, who tease maybe I'll get to for another team because of the fact that the Browns had done a lot to kind of shore up that offensive line. I know people are very hyped on Nick Chubb looking at you, Clark. Um, But I think Carlos Hyde comes into that offense. They signed him for a reason. Uh, I think he's going to come in as the de facto starter. He's going to perform well and going in the sixth round who could easily give you RB one numbers, you know, top 12 numbers. I'm 100% going to take him everywhere. So big fan of Carlos Hyde this year. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of handcuffing or trying to sell up a backfield by taking two guys. And I'm even less of a fan of doing it for a team that didn't win any games last year. But I agree, Carlos Hyde's good at football. And they're probably going to let him start. And for what you're getting him at in the sixth round, even though I believe I am It pains you to admit that Nick Chubb won't be winning the starting spot relatively soon. No, because the Browns are a completely dysfunctional organization. So, no, like Dalvin Cook showed that he was better than Latavius Murray, even though they paid Latavius Murray. And guess who got to start? Because the Vikings are good at running a football team. Uh, But uh, the price for Hyde, at least to start the year, is great. And then if you really want to commit to the Browns' backfield, you can get Chubb a couple rounds later also. So I like that pick. I'm pretty sure Nick Chubb is still waiting at baggage claim after last night's show. <laughs> I didn't see him for the rest of the episode. That's another hard knocks reference for all the listeners again. For all of you tens of listeners who both listen to this podcast, and then the three of you who actually watched the hard knocks last night. I'm gonna be really I'm gonna really enjoy all these jokes when I watch the replays of hard knocks in like six months. 
I know. I know. I was this today. I was like, ah, I want to watch Hard Knocks. And then I was actually like, oh, no, I'd rather take a nap or but it's it's bad. I need I just need to get into it. Once I start it, I'll get hyped and then I'll be like, all right, football's here. So are the Cleveland Browns. Uh, let's freaking do this. So. All right. There we go. We're moving on. Uh, Clark, you alluded to this at the top of the show. Talk to me. Talk to us. Talk to all of our listeners about the Indianapolis Colts. As I said earlier, I have decided that Andrew Luck is going to be fine. Uh, and so the play for the Colts this year is Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines. I'm cheating a little bit. Mm. Uh, I watched a lot of Marlon Mack uh, tape this week, and he is not super explosive, and he's not super elusive, and he's not a great receiving back. Uh, he's just kind of a guy. So uh, Jordan Wilkins looked really good for the Ole Miss Rebels in the SEC. Naheem Hines is... I hate the soft-headed argument of who's going to be this year's Alvin Kamara because it's like, who's this year's Rams? Like, those are stupid questions. <laughs> Having said that, if we do get another Alvin Kamara this year, it's going to be someone like Naheem Hines on a great offense who's a little slight, uh, super quick, fast guy who can just blow things away. So uh, Jordan Wilkins is going in the middle of the 13th. Naeem Hines' ADP has actually climbed, I think, thanks in large part to Sigmund Bloom and a lot of other people who've been well, hyping him up. a lot of thanks to this podcast who's been hyping him up. Well, of course. I mean, let's yes. put credit where credit's due. Yeah. Hines is going at the end of the, the 10th. And so unlike taking a horrible offense's two running backs with some actually pretty high draft capital in the Browns, you can pick who's probably going to end up toting the rock for the Colts most of the year with your 11th and 13th round so that's my play from the Colts I love Naheem Hines we talked about him way way back when we did the podcast with uh mocking the draft Dan Kadar uh right after the draft and talked about our favorite kind of landing spots Naheem Hines gives a, a dual threat at running back and just and someone who could actually add some explosion and excitement into a Colts backfield that has been lacking it since Edron James was the last running back who was mildly exciting in, in, in Indianapolis? I think so. You're forgetting about Joseph, live and let a die. Oh, Joseph, <laughs> live and let a die. There you go. Um, so anyways, so I, I really like Naheem Hines, especially if even if his draft is uh, his stock is climbing a little bit, I think he is someone who could definitely pay out big A. Yeah, I recommend people go and watch some draft breakdown of Jordan Wilkins because he looks like a legitimate starting running back in the NFL. And him and Hines and um, together are part of the reason I thought this rookie class of running backs was like eight deep, at least. It's very strong. Am I getting way ahead of myself saying that he kind of runs smooth a la Arian Foster? I don't know what to tell you, Clark. I have not watched enough to know, but I will say that you are probably acting a little too, too crazy. Moving down to the Baltimore Ravens. And unsurprisingly, Jordan took this team because, spoiler alert, Jordan is keeping his eyes on this quarterback battle because he knows Lamar Jackson's going to take over. You know what? I was going to list Lamar as my sleeper, <laughs> but... I feel like we've talked about him just ad nauseum, so I picked some other players to talk about. Uh, the sleeper is going to be the tight end, Hayden Hurst, uh, but the bust I have listed as Michael Crabtree. Um, so Hayden Hurst is just a big six foot five seam running tight end, which is almost exactly what the Ravens need in order to help out their offense. 
Um, and I fully believe they drafted two tight ends really early in this draft for a reason because they wanted to get um, as much as they can out of the 22 personnel and 12 personnel. So that's just using two tight ends consistently. They led the league in that last season. So that's something that they want to do. They just didn't have the talent to do it. Um, Hayden Hurst is a versatile guy and he was battling some injuries early in camp, but now he's really um, hitting the ground running, so to speak. Um, Michael Crabtree, this one's just more of a feel because I, I just always doubt the Ravens uh, when they're bringing in a wide receiver, unless your name is Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden, but those guys are like, put the ball in their hands, tough, like we'll take it on the chin type of wide receivers. And I'm not sure if Michael Crabtree is that um, he's still a red zone threat, but this is where Joe Flacco struggled a lot last year. Um, I have some stats written down for him. The closer Joe Flacco gets to the red zone, the more his uh, completion percentage dips. So on his own one to 20 yard line, that is such a terrible stat. That is a damn <laughs> it is. stat. <laughs> from from the 1 to 20, his passing percentage is 73%. The 21 to the 50, 66%. The opponents, 49 to the uh, 20, 64%. Uh, the red zone, 52%. And then oh the, the 10 to the goal line, it dips to 48%. <laughs> my God, so, you garbage. Really, really inefficient stuff. Um, Crabtree was down across the board statistically last season. And is Joe Flacco better than a hurt Derek Carr? I don't think so. I can't disagree with anything you said. I like Hayden Hurst as a sleeper. And I think less so maybe Michael Crabtree specifically being a bust. I just don't trust anyone in the Ravens offense because you talked about Joe Flacco. And when was the last time that we saw like a Ravens receiver have legit fantasy value that consistently across multiple weeks that you were, you know, willing to draft and add to your roster? Yeah, I like Hurst because the tight end landscape is just absolutely bereft of talent. Uh, and uh, John Ross is going to be the best wide receiver for the Ravens this year. John Brown. John Ross. John Brown. <laughs> John Brown. Brown. Got to stay Nailed on Brown. that one. Nailed it. Same uh, division. <laughs> same division. Basically the same team. Thanks, Troy. Uh, moving on to the uh, Jordan's team, his his new discovered New York Jets that he has to feel like he needs to preach for. Um the guy who I'm a big fan of, and I talked about him when we talked about the Browns, staying on running back brand, uh, Isaiah Crowell. Uh, over the last two years, Crowell has averaged over 900 yards on the ground and a solid four-point yards per attempt. He's a very good running back, which somehow Cleveland failed to utilize last year, and I think he will be utilized in New York. Uh, you're going to more than likely have a rookie quarterback on our center, which means an emphasis on the run game. Uh, um Crowell can perform both in the run and also as passing downs. Um, he's a good pass catcher out of the backfields. He's just a year removed from posting RB2 numbers. Uh, he was in the top, I think he was RB12 in 20, uh, whatever, what would that be, 2016? So I could. it wouldn't surprise me at all if he bumped up into the top 15 this year as well. And he's going in the eighth round. So again, someone who I am very much sold on. Yeah, I like the price of yeah. the guy. You know, it's a starting running back that you're getting in the eighth. This is a great zero RB candidate that you're going to feel no compulsion or no compunction against cutting if someone else comes up. So, yeah, really nice pick. Totally. Yeah, no, if if you find a, another running back who's outperforming Crowell three or four weeks in, 
you have no problem cutting an eighth round pick. But if he pans out to be the kind of solid running back that we've seen in the past, the guy who can get you almost a thousand yards and, you know, six to seven touchdowns, four point yards, 4.5 yards per carry. Yeah. I'll take that hundred percent in the eighth. Yeah. And it's also not like there's a Matt Forte there anymore. That's just going to good point. Uh, take carries and opportunities away from Crowell. I think you'll have a pretty good grasp on the number one role. Chris Ivory was effective there. Remember back when it was basically his job to have, and then he went and signed in Jacksonville as a, as a backup for whatever reason. Um, so I, you know, again, I'm having faith. I'm putting faith into this uh, New York Jets offense for the first time in forever. Eighth um, round faith. Eighth round. Eighth round faith. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Not a lot of faith, but eighth round faith, which is fair enough. Um, yeah, we've got a, a, a solid 20 seconds to to burn. I don't want to talk about the Jets. Pete, taking one for the team, the Browns and the Jets I so know. far. Usually I'm the one that covers all the crappy teams. <laughs> I really appreciate this. <laughs> I had to spice it up a little bit. Well, since I also – oh, I'll use this 20 seconds to plug myself. Um, since I've been writing these uh, full division reports on fake teams, since I've been doing – I just did the AFC South, AFC North, and the AFC East. So I've talked about all these teams. Um, and so I have these uh, these players on on the top of my brain. So I'm happy to talk about them. Clark, uh, in something that's very off-brand for you, talk to me about the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if I'm going to need the full three minutes here, guys. Because uh, it's just going to be pure excitement. And I appreciate Jordan saying, I've talked about Guy X <laughs> all off-brand. So I'm going to change it up and talk about Guy Y. I am not going to do that. <laughs> I am going to talk about why Sammy Watkins in the middle of the sixth is just an absolute beast of a pick that you need to pick up. Uh, the argument's pretty simple. I still I think that Sammy Watkins is just really good at football. Uh, Jared Goff did not throw the ball deep, and Watkins was kind of schemed as an integral part of the offense for the Rams that that didn't get the ball. Uh, so, so I thought it was coached really well. No, no, that's fine. Sammy that's Watkins, that's Sammy Watkins. My phone went off for some re- random reason. Keep going. I, I just, that's it. I, that I, just love it. Sammy Watkins. I, I can't, I can't be more excited about Mahomes throwing to Watkins this year. Sixth round guys. Oh, love it. Where do you think Sammy Watkins will ultimately end up in terms of like positional wide receiver and in, in terms of his position? Cause he showed a lot of flashes in LA last year, but he, none of that really accumulated into actual fantasy production. Like, do you see him as a top 15 wide receiver this year in fantasy? Someone who can put up like legit numbers. So I always like to look at the, would I be surprised mm. and would I be surprised if Sammy Watkins got 1200 yards and nine touchdowns? Nope. I mean, that's top five wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think the, cause he had 39 catches for almost 600 yards, but also eight touchdowns. I think that's pretty good indicative. He had of, eight touchdowns of, last year. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. See, I, like I think four against the 49ers one game or something like that. Yeah. But still, I think that's no, a, yeah. a display of like his talent, just not really either meshing well with the offense or not really figuring out what to do with him, you know, in between the 20s and the middle part of the field. Yeah. That could be a big part of it. All right. Well, we have basically a minute left, so we'll just skip the timer uh, and we'll just move right on to Jordan, who's going to talk to us about the Miami Dolphins. Oh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, again, 
another another rough one uh but a sleeper this one kind of just going on gut feeling too i don't really have any stats to back this up but sleeper is Devonte parker yes. um i think it's a bigger deal that ryan Tannehill is back than more people are uh giving credit for because i think Tannehill's a perfectly fine starting quarterback uh it could be worse is what i'm saying um parker is injury prone but i think a looming big payday next season could cause him to um, not only try a little bit harder when he's healthy, but maybe if he had some nagging injuries, that kind of makes him want to fight through that a little bit more, get those small ailments just taken care of on the sidelines. Um, And there's no more target magnet in Jarvis Landry. So there's plenty of balls to go around. There's a hundred catches up for grabs automatically because Jarvis Landry isn't there. So I think that's a good sign for, um, for Parker and what he can do fantasy wise. Um, you guys aren't going to like my bust as much, uh, cause it's Frank Gore. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, fun fact though, his full name is actually Franklin Delano Gore. So I think we got to start calling him the president. Oh, I was just about to say, I was like, that is the <laughs> most f-ing presidential name I've ever heard. But also, um, Adam Gase listed Gorin, Kenyon Drake as co-starters just to be an ass, he says. But also because I think Kenyon Drake is good. I don't know. I know you guys don't think Kenyon's all that great. But with Frank Gore being 35, he was the the bow cow in Indy, always getting the ball. Um, he has only scored six touchdowns on the ground in 2015, four in 2016, and 17 or 2017 he scored three. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think Drake is the better all-around option as far as a pass catcher and a runner. To be fair to Frank Gore, he scored three of the four touchdowns that the Colts scored last year, though. So that if is. You're fair. looking at pure <laughs> touchdown production. Frank Gore, 75 percent. Of all touchdowns. Yeah, I like it. I don't think you draft Gore. I think that he does just enough to really irritate, you know, the Kenyon Drake, the Bellage owner. Yeah. I won't speak to the running backs. I absolutely love the Devontae Parker pick because I totally agree with you, Jordan. I think this is definitely a year um, where it's it's, it's a make or break year for him because he's going to get paid at the end of this year or and that's going to entirely stem upon how he performs this year. He's dealt with injuries. And I just feel like finally you said this, there's no more Jarvis Landry to eat up targets. Ryan Tannehill is back, hopefully healthy. And so like, this is it. If he's going to do anything, this is the year he's going to do it in and he's going pretty late. And so he's like a pretty easy player that you can take a risk on. And if he pans out great, and if not, you know, no harm, no foul. Staying in the AFC East, it is now my turn to talk about my New England Patriots. Um, And I will start this with just a PSA, which I know Clark will approve. Um, Literally draft Gronk wherever you possibly can. Because I will say this on tape. I wrote it on paper, so you can quote me wherever you want. I bet you that Clark, uh, that Clark, I bet you that Clark sees a career high in targets this year. So good job, Clark. Um, I bet you Clark, uh, God damn it. I did it again. Grunt. I just like that. I'm being associated with perhaps the most <laughs> magnificent physical. <laughs> uh, Gronk's going to get a career high in targets this year. 
it's just going to happen. Julian Edelman's out for four games. They got rid of two different wide receivers that they have, and they also got rid of Danny Amendola and Brandon Cooks in the offseason, who I'll talk about quickly when I go to my player who I like also in the Patriots. I just think Gronk is in for a huge season. Um, you should own him everywhere you possibly can get Gronk. So just starting with that. Uh, but the player who I actually who I really like, whose ADP is climbing, but I'm okay with him. I'm still aboard his fantasy rocket, Chris Hogan. Uh, he may not see as many touches on a per game basis as Edelman or Gronk, but he makes his bread and butter in the red zone. And we've seen this ever since he's come to New England. He finished second on the team in red zone targets last year with 14, despite only playing nine games. Brady clearly loves to go to him when they are down by the uh, goal line. His next two red zone targets, who are Danny Amendola and Brandon Cooks, like I said, no longer on the Patriots, which means there's even more red zone targets to go around between Hogan and then also tying into what I said earlier, Gronk. So basically, Gronk and Hogan are going to score a crap ton of touchdowns, and they both should be on your fantasy team, so you can take full advantage of it. Yeah, with every pass catcher that the Patriots cut or trade or release, Gronk just gets more powerful. Like, he just soaks up (laughs) that energy. And um, did you know Chris Hogan played lacrosse? I have never heard that before. That's a thing, apparently. It's a thing we should start spreading around and making sure everyone knows of. We gotta talk about that more. I do like I do like the image of Gronk just on the sidelines, just like drinking the blood of every wide receiver that the Patriots cut. It's like Malcolm Mitchell, you're gone. Let me suck your power. Now I am twice the man I once was. That should be a monster flavor for him. Like, oh, there you go. (laughs) Monster. Not only should you make that new blood of a wide receiver drink, but you should also sponsor this podcast. There you go. We came up with the idea. We are all on that shit. Just imagine what else we could do for you, monster. Just imagine. All right. Uh, Clark, because you took the entire AFC South, because, you know, you're a fan of, of of those teams I've heard, Talk to me about your favorite team in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> All right. I, we'll start off with an interesting fact. Did you Perfect. know that the Jaguars had 527 rushing attempts last year and 527 passing attempts last wow. year? That is a perfectly balanced offense. 50-50. So a balanced offense in the NFL has become an incredibly run-heavy offense. And I just don't think that they're going to be able to do that again this year. The Jags were ahead in a lot of games. They played a really soft schedule, and their defense played out of its mind. Uh, Having said all of that, as much as I don't like to admit this, uh, Leonard Fournette's really good, and he's priced really fairly at the end of the first round. So it's kind of an obvious play, but if you're back there and if you're wondering, should you take a chance on Dalvin Cook? Uh, should you just bail and go to wide receiver? That's a fine option, but you can really feel comfortable drafting Leonard Fournette. Uh, Another thing that we see from the Jags last year was uh, 3,500 passing yards. (laughs) And they're just terrible. And I'm hearing a lot of, (laughs) I'm hearing a lot of buzz about uh, Danny Westbrook and uh, Keenan Cole and, I liked those guys. They flashed last year. They were super interesting. They're really fast, you know, kind of game-breaking speed. But I think people are starting to forget that Blake Bortles is the quarterback. So even though they're super late, just pass on everyone else on the Jaguars team except for Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Leonard Fournette's going to have a good year. They kind of shored up that offensive line by adding Andrew Norwell. And um, I just – 
I think they're going to be a lot better. That, that 427 perfect split night might not be the same this year. It might be like a, a 600 rushing attempts out of the Jags. It's it's the one team I feel very confident in that you are, that Leonard that their running back is going to get a shit ton of carries because they've basically said it every time they talk about the offense. They're always like, "We're going to get the ball, to Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's going to move this offense because they know their quarterback sucks and they know they can't throw it through the passing game." The only other team that like you could draft you their running back with like 100% certainty that that running back is going to get at the very least 250 carries is Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. Those are the two running backs to me that are a shoe in for at the bare minimum 250 carries. Yeah, it, running the ball just helps the Jaguars' top three defense as well. They get to kill some clock, let that defense rest because with their corners, I don't think they're going to be on the field very long. No, they shan't. Um, I don't know. We're just breezing through these three minutes. Uh, moving on to Jordan, who's going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the AFC North. Um, so Cincinnati Bengals, um, really only a, a good sleeper here. I'm super high on Tyler Boyd this year. Um, he had a decent rookie year, started had to have some flashes then, but last year was kind of injury-ridden, and the Bengals just kind of didn't have an identity last year. So I attribute that to his lack of production last year. But um, all the noise out of training camp for the Bengals has been Tyler Boyd is the guy right now. He is the number two wide receiver across from AJ Green. Um, of course, John Ross is doing some things as well, but he's kind of a, a one trick pony. Um, whereas Tyler Boyd is the guy that's going to be the target for all like those intermediate routes. Um, he's going to be the Marvin. He's going to try to replace uh, Marvin Jones. Who was of and yeah. Mohamed Sanu, who are both very viable fantasy options in whatever it was 2013 when the Bengals offense was like lighting the world on fire. Exactly. And just like Chris Hogan got some help from um some depth chart changes, uh the Bengals released Brendan LaFell. So um that easily moves Tyler Boyd into the number two slot. It's a very good that's a very good point, Jordan. Well done. Well said. Yeah, the Bengals have never been great, but they've never been as bad as they were last year. I think the whole offense is in for a rebound. So it's a good pick to get the number two wide out there. Yeah, my um, my only bust out is not really a bust because he hasn't really been somebody that's been consistent, but it's Gio Bernard. Um, he was the primary pass catching back when he was teamed up with Jeremy Hill, but now I just think Joe Mixon's the guy that does it all. They don't need to be running back by committee. Um, and I, I just don't think he's going to get enough touches to be the touchdown vulture in that offense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think G, I, I love Gio, and I think he could just be someone who kind of disappears into the shadows and then maybe appears on some other team in two years, and you're like, oh, shit, Giovanni Bernard. Totally forgot about that guy. Perfect. Well, there you go. I didn't even use the full three minutes. Super efficient. Um, so then I will go on with the... San Diego, the was San Diego, the now LA uh, Chargers, and slightly maybe controversial opinion here, but uh, I'm not as high on Keenan Allen as people out in the fantasy world are. Clark's giving me evil eyes because there are very few people in this world more high on Keenan Allen than Clark. Um, I'm just worried about his production staying at, at such a high level. Last year, he was basically the only pass catching option in LA and he racked up 150 plus targets. I think the actual number was 159. However, this year it's going to have the usual crowd, Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Melvin Gordon, um, whomever they're going to have a tight end Virgil green. I think 
I've seen recently is like, Virgil Green and Philip Rivers are getting on the same page. Could this mean something? Um, so I guess Virgil Green is someone to pay attention to. But the biggest thing for me is a healthy Mike Williams, uh, who you can bet the Chargers will be looking to get involved early and often since they spent a first-round pick on him. Just like how the Bengals are going to want to get John Ross, Ross involved and are going to have kind of plays set up for him. I could see Mike Williams chomping into Keenan Allen's production a little bit. Um, and that's not to say that Keenan Allen won't be a very productive receiver, but I'm worried that he's going to start going more of the likes of other possession receivers like Jarvis Landry and Julian Edelman, where they're great in PPR because they get a lot of receptions, but their touchdown count and their yardage kind of comes a little bit down to earth because there's other pass catching options, particularly in the red zone. And also, Keenan Allen does not have a great uh, track record with him injury. So you're spending, he's going in what the top of the second round, I believe um, that's, you know, it's a, he's going ahead of AJ green. We all know how I feel about AJ green. Can't have that happen. So there's my little spiel on Keenan Allen. I don't want to say anything mean. So I'm just <laughs> not going to say anything at all. Makes for great podcasting. <laughs> Keenan Allen, a healthy Keenan Allen is a top five fantasy receiver for me. So I, I don't really know if I can agree. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. Controversial. I'm now part of the 33%. Um, I, had to, I had to work my way work my way there since age was not going to automatically put me into the uh, that category. So, Clark, um, oh, your almost final team. Also in the AFC South, since you took the whole division, like we said, uh, the Tennessee Titans and hopefully a resurging uh, offense now that Smash Mouth is completely exotic Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth will never die. Exotic Smash Mouth is is currently dead. Uh, talk to me. Talk to us about the Titans. The Titans had 3,100 yards passing last year. It was 23rd in the league. And they had 1,830 yards rushing last year, which was 15th in the league. And they're bringing in Matt LaFleur, who was the offensive coordinator for the Rams last year. Like, granted, Sean McVay was calling the plays, and the OC in that on that team was very much an assistant role. But LaFleur, before that, was a quarterback's coach uh, with Shanahan uh, when Matt Ryan decided to throw all of those touchdowns that one year. Uh, so this is a long, uh, stuttering point to say that Matt LaFleur is good and knows how to and put in one of these new creative offensives that we've been so excited about. And so the, the play this year is Marcus Mariota had a horrible year last year. His counting stats are really bad. So I think people that sort by points scored are the reason that he's like the number 17 quarterback right now. He's going off at the end of the 11th round, a rushing quarterback who's going to be in a new offense with an actual offensive coordinator with perhaps one of the best offensive lines in football, got the Laney Walker, Corey Grant, Rashard Matthews, John o. Smith, Taewon Taylor, and of course, maybe the best running back in the league, Deion Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love Marcus Mariota. You, the value is totally there. And like what you said, Clark, you emphasized it. He is a rushing quarterback, which I think Matt LaFleur will take actual advantage of. Um, uh, Mike Malarkey seems so hesitant to kind of like have plays scripted for Mariota to be to run. Um, and so I think that's going to be something that might be built in a little bit more. Maybe we'll see some of this kind of um, read option or whatever it is, RPO stuff that Nick Foles ran so efficiently and Carson Wentz ran so efficiently in Philadelphia. I am fully aboard the Marcus Mariota train. 
Yeah, I agree. They have a great offensive line. Um, Corey Davis has been back and showing flashes. And last year, their offense, the scheme, it just wasn't good. Like they were just running a super boring offense with a super electrifying quarterback potentially. And they just, they dropped the ball. Literally dropped the ball. Um, Moving on, Jordan, talk to us about the Denver Broncos. Are they returning to glory this year with Case Keenum behind the center? No, but (laughs) (laughs) um, the the guy I want to keep an eye on is um, somebody going in the mid-seventh round right now. Um, It's Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Last year wasn't a great season for Emmanuel Sanders. He got... He was just plagued by injuries. But in the three seasons before that, he had um, 1,000 yards each year. Um, Each of those campaigns came with over 135 targets at least. Um, So he's the type of receiver that, you know, is um, what I wish Randall Cobb could be a little bit more. (laughs) Just somebody who is a bigger threat in the passing game. Um, And I think with their guy, Case Keenum, um, Emmanuel Sanders is the type of player that can help with the underneath stuff, be that security blanket. He can help with the intermediate stuff and help find like the soft spots in the zones to help Case Keenum um, be a little bit more comfortable. Um, Demarius Thomas is a big play receiver, and so is Corton um, Sutland, who I've been hearing a lot about in training camp yeah. as well. But I think Emmanuel Sanders is just the most trustworthy and not the, I just think he has a really low floor if Case Keenum decides to make him the go-to guy. Yeah, I love it. I I think Emmanuel Sanders is really good and he's been playing with Brock Osweiler and the world's greatest backup whose name is escaping me. And that's how good Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon. Simeon. Yeah, big upgrade for everybody in Denver this year offensively with Keenum. So I like the pick. It'll be interesting to see because there's such hype about the two rookies that the that the Broncos drafted. I'll be interested to see how the veterans, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, kind of what their roles are. Not necessarily saying that the rookies will take over from day one, but is this are they going to have a full season of production? Or are they going to get phased out earlier rather than later? Um, but both of them, especially Emmanuel Sanders, who was going pretty late in the draft, are guys who 100% worth whatever risk and chance that you're going to take. So, yeah, I'm on board. I like it. Um, and now it's my turn to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and to tell you that, no, despite the fact that uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are all very hot fantasy commodities, that does not mean that their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, should be a hot commodity. No, 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 no. Uh, since 2010, he's only broken top 10 quarterback once in fantasy, back in 2014, which, um, not ironically, but understandably, was the last time that he played all 16 games. Uh, he is just not... There are so many other better quarterbacks out there. We've talked about how deep this uh, quarterback class is and the fact that you can get them anywhere and everywhere. It's just not, he's not worth wasting any kind of fantasy value on him. Just let him fall to waivers. If he suddenly puts together something amazing, grab him. But I just, uh, there are so many better quarterbacks out there, both from a fantasy perspective and also from a decent human being perspective. So I'll, I'll take a, a swing and a pass on old Ben Roethlisberger. 
Yeah, it doesn't help that it just doesn't get easier to play in Pittsburgh or against any of the other teams in the AFC North, for that matter. The sooner it gets closer to fantasy playoff time in December. Right. It's just him and Eli Manning just kind of both are at the tail ends of their career for sure. If you're looking at somebody from that draft class, you got to look no further than Philip Rivers. Um, all right. Didn't need the full three. Finally, from Clark, the Houston Texans. I saved your team for last so that you could just go full hog about how amazing everyone on your team is going to be this year in fantasy. Yeah, I, I decided to try to tamp down my enthusiasm, and I'm just going to go with one person that I think we're overlooking uh, because we all got really excited about him, and he disappointed us for a couple of years uh, going on five years, depending on how long you can pay attention. <laughs> and that's Lamar Miller. So the Texans offensive line is not great. Uh, but when Deshaun Watson was back there, the Texans were putting up tons of points. And Lamar Miller was a huge part of the offense. Uh, Miller's going off the board right now at the end of the fourth round. And this is really just a, a pick for, I feel like Deshaun Watson will be the tie that lifts all boats. And you can get the starting running back at the end of the fourth round. So I think Miller's definitely a buy this year. The other guy who I didn't know if you were going to mention him, but I want to mention him because I did write, again, on Fake Teams, AFC South preview. Um, Will Fuller is also someone who I think could be hugely productive. He's played, whatever, five games with Deshaun Watson and lit the world on fire. And so who knows what could happen this year, but I think he is someone to take a risk on if you are wanting to do that at the wide receiver position. Yeah, Lamar Miller's got to have a big year this year so they don't go out and sign Le'Veon Bell next offseason. Yeah, because if they sign Le'Veon Bell, whew, man, that would be very disappointing to Clark, who's been a big Lamar Miller fan from the from the get-go. One note on Will Fuller, I, I think the Texans finally have a quarterback that understands we have one of these fastest guys in the NFL wide receivers, and we're just going to have him run a streak. And the minute that you run a safety over – to DeAndre Hopkins side of the field. I'm just going to chuck it deep. He might not catch it, but we might get a 65 yard touchdown. Okay, great. The minute that you move the safety over to Will Fuller's side, well, DeAndre Hopkins is going to beat his guy. So I'm right. going to throw it to him. And I think that's why they were so effective last year is, is he's just going to pick the receiver that doesn't get double coverage. And Oh, I'm, I am excited it, for the first time ever as a Texans fan. I'm actually excited about the season starting instead of like, well, I hope we see the Bengals in the playoffs again so we can get one. <laughs> There you go. That's just shut down Clark's excitement. Um, and finally, in the AFC preview, wrapping up with the Oakland Raiders, who is the team was thrust upon me. And I was like, well, who do I really want to talk about? Because I don't really know who I want to talk about. So instead, I decided, Haha, let's twist this. And instead of me talking about it, let's uh, do an open-ended question for everyone to discuss. Do any of you, you will start with Jordan, what is your feeling towards Derek Carr this year and the Oakland offense? So I have Derek Carr on a dynasty uh, league, and he's just one of the top quarterbacks on my team that I really need to uh, have him bounce back. Yes. Um, so I've been doing some perusing on the Internet, and I think Derek Carr actually is going to have a bounce back year. Um, I don't feel like it can get as sloppy as it did last year. Um, but at the same time, I think some of the things that he was doing last year are correctable through a coach that 
more or less can help make your um, young quarterback feel comfortable. And I think that's what John Gruden can do. Um, I really believe he's going to be a player's coach and you're going to probably hear a lot of good things about him from players out of that locker room. And I mean, we've all lived with John Gruden's personality the past few years on Monday night football. So um, I, I think that really sticks out and that's like an, an intangible difference. I know we talk a lot about John Gruden um, not being in coaching for a couple of years, not keeping up with the trends. He said he was going to make them watch film from like 1986 or something wild like that. But I think that's just John Gruden being John Gruden and messing with people. And it, a lot of times when you hire a new coach, it's kind of like a Mike Tomlin thing. He's not necessarily known for his X's and, o on, X's and O's on offense and defense, but just for for being the guy that can be the leader and corral everybody. And I think that's what Derek Carr has with John Gruden. Yeah. I think Derek Carr is good at football. He broke his back last year and then tried to play uh, well before it was healed. We saw even Tony Romo couldn't get over an injury like that. And I think once things started getting out of hand, it just got out of hand real quick. So despite John Gruden and despite the timer going off, I feel like the Raiders are going to bounce back this year. There you go. Oh, yeah, there's uh, your AFC fantasy preview. So, you know, if you're looking for targets from any of those players, you know, we didn't want to we didn't want to just give you, you know, the big names from each team. So we gave you, you know, some sleepers and some busts, some people to watch out for. So really, we did a great job. Well done us. Um, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, like, leave us five stars, tell us how much you love us, tell us how excited you are for preseason football tomorrow or today when you're listening to this podcast because it technically comes out on Thursday. Get hyped for fake but actual football. Um, Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark, follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27, all on the Twitter sphere. Hit us up if you got any questions um, and uh, tune in next week when we do the NFC, bounce around the NFC and we'll talk about all those teams there. And until then, uh, peace.